I am in Hot Springs, North Carolina, right on the border between North Carolina and Tennessee in the mountains. And uh, Jake and I are here for Wild Goose Fest. And progressive Christians from all over come together to figure out how to have a more uh, compassionate and just world. And, and Jake performed here and he's leading a workshop on uh, worship in a deconstructing community. And it's been a super meaningful time. And Hot Springs is this like tiny little town and there's a railroad track that goes right through it. And I'm walking along that railroad track and I think it's still an active railroad. So if you like see me dive into the bushes, you know, <laughs> you know why. Um, but it is hot here, it's humid, and there are so many bugs. I think this is the year that like billions of cicadas were underground for like 17 years and they emerged. And I think they all emerged in Hot Springs, North Carolina, as they are everywhere here. Um, this railroad track reminded me of uh, why we have Labor Day weekend, which is this weekend. Um, in the 19th century, Pullman Company had the monopoly on railroad sleeping cars. And it was essentially the largest hotel in the world where like tens of millions of people slept on the train every year. Huge company and factory and millions of people a year slept on their cars on tracks across the US just like this one through Hot Springs. Uh, but in 1894 they had to cut wages for the workers of the factory. And this was around the Industrial Revolution a time when people of all ages were being forced to work for like 12 hours a day, seven days a week, with few breaks and very little pay. Um, so the railroad union voted to strike with the Pullman factory uh, workers who were literally starving due to those wage cuts. And um, within weeks, the workers had managed to bring like the whole railroad service in the US to a, a standstill, like anywhere west of Chicago. Um, and effectively bringing the U.S. economy to like a point of crisis. Um, so President Grover Cleveland, he tried to appeal to the union members to make him happy um, by throwing his support behind a bill to declare a workers' holiday known as Labor Day, which passed into law at the end of June of that year, 1894. But on the other hand, President Cleveland ordered national troops into Chicago to break the strike. And there's massive unrest. And July 7, National Guardsmen fired into the crowd. Uh, killed around 30 people, injured a lot more. Um, strange way for the government to say they cared for the workers. Uh, you know, there are people who are invisible and, and rarely talked about in this story, like so many stories in the U.S. Majority of porters uh, serving the luxurious Pullman sleeping cars were black. Porters carried the luggage, they served the people and the cars and the Pullman Company was the single largest employer of black men in the United States at the turn of the century. Uh, in fact, they only hired black men for the job. The American Railway Union, they refused to extend membership to black workers and it wasn't until 1925 that the country's first black union, um, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, was founded under leadership of a guy by the name of Philip A. Randolph. Um, I mean, workers' fair rights, though, and, and their voice was weakened all over the country because of the racist exclusion of um, workers of color. The story reminds me of a letter at the, uh, 
that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to fellow followers of Jesus. Um, did you know Jesus had siblings? I would imagine that James was around Jesus a lot when no one else was and, and maybe knew him deeper than most. And James warns Christians that treating people as if some people matter more than others is um, incredibly unchristlike, um, almost to the point of evil. Um, the Christians were specifically treating wealthy people uh, better than poor people. Wealthy people matter more. The people with higher social status, people with better jobs, with nicer clothes. And so James says to these Jesus followers, Is it not the rich who oppress you, but you dishonor the poor? James says, God doesn't play favorites, so why the hell are you? James says that you can have this super impressive faith, but if you're not caring for people, your faith is, he says, useless in chapter 2, 14 and 16. Your faith can't save you, verse 14. He says it's ineffective, verse 20. And he says your faith is dead, verse 17 and 26. He says that just like a body without a spirit, without a soul, is dead. Faith without works, it's dead. He says faith is like a lifeless body. It is only when that faith leads to acts of love and mercy does it actually become alive. Today we're still having labor issues. Um, we're hearing stories of Amazon workers and drivers who are expected to work like machines. Um, while their boss goes into space. Um, we're hearing so many workers, restaurant workers, aren't going back to work post-COVID because the work isn't worth the pay. People aren't getting paid a living wage. And there are so many in our society who are giving up meaningful, life-giving relationships with family and friends and community because they're putting everything into their career. And we have a labor crisis. Not to mention the labor crisis around the world and the fact that, you know, the shirt I wear um, was likely made in a sweatshop on the other side of the world with someone who was paid uh, next to nothing. We still have a labor crisis in the world, yet we have a lot of people of faith. But is our faith worthless? Is it useless? Is it dead? Or is it leading to creating communities of love and justice? I mean, what would it look like if we saw a person who is houseless asking for money as having the same worth as the CEO of Amazon? What if we looked at them as if we were seeing a celebrity? And James says that the, the realm, the, the kingdom, the reality of God is not for the rich. It's not for the wealthy. It's for the poor. Why? Because uh, I wonder if it's because... Those of us who are wealthy, which are, are most of us in, in the U.S. compared to the world, um, we tend to care less about the stuff that truly matters because we're so focused on making more money, having nicer things. And that takes up a lot of our energy in our society. Um, we can still make money um, while using that money to strive for love and justice and mercy. Um, 
What would it look like if we treated all people with respect, with appreciation, with value? Maybe money wouldn't be as important. Maybe people in King County could afford rent because they had a living wage. Maybe we could t pay our teachers enough uh, to be able to have rent. It starts with seeing all people as worthy of love, mercy, as all people as bearers of the image of God. All people, regardless of race, gender, sexuality, political belief. It's hard to do. But if you have all the faith in the world, have heard that phrase so many times, people talking about some pastor, spiritual leader, Christian leader, wow, they have such strong faith. And James was kind of calling that out, saying, ah, your faith's worthless. Unless you are doing acts of mercy and love. Unless, he says, that someone comes to your door who is uh, cold, not, you know, needing clothes, hungry, needing food. He says, um, what good is it if you just say, I'll pray for you, and then wish them away? He says, that is a, a dead faith. It's worthless. It's useless. Throw it in the trash. It's a waste. So what we need to do is our faith has to be grounded in seeing all people as worthy of mercy and love and respect, regardless of the clothes they wear, of the car they drive, of the job they have, of where in the country they are, I don't know what country they're from. Following Jesus, according to the brother of Jesus and James, is not just about belief or faith, it's about doing the work of living lives of love. It's a lot harder to do that. Maybe that starts with recognizing that you are worthy of love. That God already loves you regardless of anything, just because you exist. You carry the divine energy of God in your life. So maybe we can do more uh, and think more on that this Labor Day weekend, on how to um, treat all people with respect regardless of the job they have. I mean, it matters how much you tip a server at a restaurant. Um, be generous, regardless of how good of a job they did. Maybe they didn't do a good job because they've had people yell at them all day uh, for orders that were messed up, that were out of their control. Um, maybe they didn't do a good job because they're stressed, because they can't make payment, and they have kids at home. Maybe it's in those moments that we need to give them respect, love, mercy, generosity. I hope you take some time to rest this weekend. Um, I hope you take some time to think on ways that you can be generous to the workers around you in your neighborhood and in your community. Um, thank you for being people who strive to not just have a faith or belief about God, um, but to live it out in ways that lead to more loving and just world. 